with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you in part by our sponsors GoDaddy.com, Buy.com, and ThinkGeek.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Order 66 podcast. This is the Order 66 podcast, your home for everything Star Wars Saga Edition related. This is episode number 72 for Tuesday, July the 7th, 2009. want to wish everyone a happy Independence Day for, well, those of you that are in the States and for those of you anywhere but France. I really hope you guys had a great whatever day because it was just a normal day. Canada had Canada Day on the 1st of hey, July. Hey, beautiful Canada Day. That was right. That was what the day after our last podcast. That was awesome. All right. So anyway, that voice you just heard, the incomparable Twi'lek goodness. <laughs> I'm GM Dave, by the way. Hi. Well, hi. Nice to nice to hear you, GM Dave. Yo, hey. Is that I think a, we got one other person on here. Is that a sausage in your pocket? Eh. Or is uh, you just happy to see me? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, the other guy on the air, yeah, that's GM Chris. Yeah, that's me. That's just me. What is up, Gamer Nation? Uh, GM Chris here, and happy to be jabberwalking about some Star Wars Saga Edition on the Order 66 podcast. Yes. But I'm a very sad panda, Dave. TJ, oh. I'm a very, very sad, sad panda. Why? We got no bumpers this week. That means the show's over. <laughs> you know, I work and I slave and I write the show notes and <laughs> you guys don't send in the bumpers. I don't it, understand. I know it. It. I know. I know they. They really do care. I'm sure they do. <gasps> I. I know it's tough for you when when. Oh. Bumpers don't come in. Oh, and please, send, send us your bumpers. Send us your bumpers. We, we want to hear why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. All right, all right. I will play for you one. Sports fans, this Sunday at the Great Pit of Carcoon, it's bungee jumping time. That's right, just five miles south of Java's Palace in the Great Doom Sea, it's bungee jumping at the Sarlacc Pit. That's right, Sunday only, be a guest of Java the Hut at bungee jumping at the Sarlacc Pit. Bring the whole family, bring the kids, bring the dog, bring the dog-like thing, bring everybody. Come out and see bungee jumping at the Sarlacc Pit. Warning, small children, Jedi strides not admitted. Those with weak hearts and weak constitution should take medication before coming out. Please do not touch Java while you're here. There you go. Oh, that makes me less of a sad fan. How about that for some 
user-generated goodness. And we have a major, major D20 radio programming announcement here in just a second. In fact, let's do it now. D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. How about that for? How about that for a what the hell moment? Uh, how about that yeah. for a what the hell moment? Uh, I, I, are, I, we, I, are, are we not doing announcements? I have Mr. no idea. <clears throat> I have no idea how on earth that got to be number two on the board. Uh, it should be like number four on the board. So yeah, that's a that's an official drink, drink. moment right there. That's an drink, af- and it hasn't happened in a while. Uh-oh. So you know, I've been doing good, J- uh, Donovan. Before you even post, shut up. <laughs> Accessing. <laughs> New acquisitions. Greetings, Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Indeed. So, I truly do have reason to bust out this music today. Por qué? Well, many of you are familiar. There's a reason I played those two bumpers. Many of you are the are familiar with the fine work that has come from a gentleman simply known as Fiddleback. Indeed, we are. Yes. During our conversation today, Fiddleback informed me that recent changes at his office work and scheduling are going to prevent him from providing us content any longer. This is a sad day for the D20 Radio Network. That's a terribly sad day. No more Stormtrooper poetry? No more Stormtrooper poetry. Yes, no more Stormtrooper poetry. Game On is now officially history. And the, holoc- and the holocron is looking for a new host. Dude! Man. Dude, that's just insane. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a smile on your face, though, that, that tells me you're holding something back. Uh, yeah, actually, it's just Stormtrooper poetry. At, uh, he's, uh, seriously, though, yes, things are, things are very good for Fiddleback um, at work and so you know with great responsibility comes great time and effort and, and ah. uh, so yeah he's got a he's got a, a new uh, good you know promotion or whatnot he's spending more time at work all that good stuff but he has to choose and so he's going to choose the two podcasts over the stormtrooper poetry and I don't blame him I believe that to be a good choice so yes we will miss stormtrooper poetry but uh, yeah. frankly I'm 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 glad uh, for your success Brian cool beans indeed so if somebody wants to like pick up the flag Ooh. damn cunning of them if the somebody wants to, has been dropped we can make it a contest you know we need <laughs> yes i do have i have skill focused deception three okay you guys have no idea how i can lie with a straight face anyway the idea is that we need a new listener bit don't even think about doing stormtrooper poetry because you will be shut 
the door will be shut on you immediately. That's like goes in the ring of honor. No one will ever do it again. But something or, similar could happen. You know, maybe it's like a clone trooper haiku. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very original. I, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. So, anyway, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe it could be phone calls from the dark side. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good I like that idea why hasn't somebody thought of that before and yeah, tried it out I know. I know I think we need to impose a limitation the beautiful thing about Stormtrooper poetry is that they're all less than 30 seconds long right which is about what it needs to be right yeah if you're going to do so. a bit for the show do it 30 seconds 45 seconds every once in a while whatever but yeah do a little bit and that's fine I don't care whatever you guys want to do you know like full on gamer would send in his um, his uh, what those uh, Jedi outlet those were cool. They were fantastic. Yeah, those were awesome. But um, anyway. All right, so announcements. Announcements! Announcements! Uh, announcements. In terms of pod, uh, the podcasting world of the D20 Radio Network, if you guys have not heard uh, one of the newest podcasts on our network, The Minus World. Dude, they're busy all. like a couple of rabbits. I know, man. Uh, right, Ben, Jake, Dylan, and Brandon, man, devoted to all things video gaming. They've released two episodes since our last broadcast. Episode three, chronicling the life and times of everyone's favorite Sega Dreamcast. Yes, I, I remember mine. And episode four uh, with special co-host Brandon, all about the games we lose sleep over. And uh, I, I got to say, man, these guys do it up right. They're excellent podcasters. They put on a great show. And um, if you haven't heard it yet, Please do. Maybe you can go to the front page of D20 Radio and find... Oh, yeah. Oh, see? There he goes, calling me out. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> link there yet because I'm stupid. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's okay. That, that's okay. You know what there is a link to? Our, our, our next podcast to have released an episode. Ah, yes. That would be Radio Free Hamlet with adventure number 25. See, they vowed that they would not fall behind Game On, so they had to put out two episodes, <laughs> and they're now tied again. And Game On no longer has longest road. Turn in your card. <laughs> Dang. Uh, yeah, speaking of Catan, that's a game I've been losing sleep over. Very much so. On the Very 360, much. dude. That was awesome. It anyway, is. yes, 25, all about the Warden. Everyone's favorite primal defender. My favorite primal defender. That's right. So join DM Tim and the entire RFH crew for a little bit of fourth edition greatness. How about that? And just because it annoys somebody who's in the chat room right now. Imperial troops have entered the base. Imperial troops have entered. Welcome to Echo Base, little scum. We're the Empire, and we're here to help. Yeah. Lovely. Hello, Echo Base. How many people are in the chat room? Um, oh, well, you would ask me that, and I had my chat room down. And, of course, uh, if you guys watch our forums at www.d20radio.com slash forum, you can uh, see, of course, when the live shows are going to be broadcast, and you can slip by the uh, Echo Dude. Base chat room and watch the show live and contribute as we record. Same as it was uh, last time at this, at this when I announced it last show, 77. Nice. How about that? Hey, look at that. Donovan had it right. He knows my math. Ah, yes. He has figured it out. And I got an email. Um, speaking of more announcements, uh, I got an email actually today from Brian over at Reaper. And uh, he's uh, one of the customer care honchos over there and also one of our judges for the Reaper contest, which ended July 31st. 
Uh, July 30th. June, uh, June 30th. <laughs> Sorry. My, drink. my See, bad drink. Yeah. Chris should have a drink thing, too. Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. But it's anyway, no uh, the contest is being judged as we speak. Reaper's Finest are on it. And when they have their verdict, which we hope will be in a few short days, hopefully by the next time we do the podcast, or we would really like to have them on to help us announce it. And the winners of the Reaper contest will receive massive amounts of Reaper swag. Paints, minis, and all that good stuff. Yep. So, I voted for Darth Brooks. Dude, Darth Brooks was fantastic. But there was a I, lot of good paints out there. I know y'all really liked Darth Brooks, but then the paint job was nice and it was a creative idea, but there were some fantastic fantastic paint jobs darth brooks was so dark it was kind of hard to see the detail right. and i'm sure that that's the reaper guys know painting better than you know me i mean you know i'm just an artist and all but you know i don't know anything so you're an, you're an artist no i'm a photographer some people say oh. photographers are artists but i don't paint i can't paint never have been able to paint got it true Good. that all right awesome all right so guess so. what what Gen Con's coming! Yay! Gen Con is coming in a matter of six days, ladies and gents. No, no, that, that's about six weeks. <clears throat> in a matter of <laughs> six days, ladies and gentlemen, you will be able to vote on a certain podcast that has made the final five. When did you get that confirmation, sir? I haven't yet, but you can go and vote on the 13th. <laughs> Starting on the 13th, you can vote for your favorite podcast at the Any Awards. And since we probably we may not have a show before then, I want everybody to go and look on the 13th, all right? On the 13th, go and look at N-World or Any's whatever and see if we made the top five because I, I don't know that they're going to let us know in advance. I don't think they will. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> But on the 13th is when fan voting, like, or well, actually, no, fan voting doesn't start till the 21st. But you guys can find out when we find out on the 13th. And we'll put a link in the show notes. What the heck? Why not? That's right. But uh, we're going to be, hopefully, I sincerely hope we, we make the final cut. Um, and if we do, I, I know I will be at uh, the any awards at Gen Con come August uh, 12th to 16th. You can accept my trophy. Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> Thanks, Bub. Wow. Man. Fantastic. But no, no, seriously, dude, I'm excited about Gen Con. We're going to have a lot of people there. Um, and to, to reiterate what I will be reiterating every time we have a podcast up until Gen Con, if you would like to game with me at Gen Con, I will be there. So will TG, so will Kat, as well as about a, at this point, God, we've got like two dozen members of the Gamer Nation confirmed and going to be there. And if you want to game with me, you can do so officially uh, through the RPGA with two time slots that I will be judging. Uh, Friday from 1 to 6 and Saturday from 1 to 6 I will be GMing uh, Murder Aboard the Executor, the uh, RPGA Star Wars module that's going to be run. And we are also going to have two convention modules, uh, The Secret of the Corellian Kite Hawk and The Eye of Rishi, both D20 Radio originals that will be run privately uh, for D20 Radio listeners only at the convention. And uh, if you want to find out when and where, you're going to have to sign up, of course, to the evil Twitter. You can find me uh, at GM Chris on Twitter and uh, simply you know, send me a message and I'll uh, accept you and uh, we'll coordinate games at Gen Con. It'll be 
fantastic. Yep. Excitement. Yep, indeed. Yeah. All right. So for all of you, uh, Donovan, great line in the chat room I just saw come through. Um, we're not talking about the pedophile. Okay. So you can stop. Mm, mm, no. Yeah. No. That's enough. No. Okay. So did you talk about Duncan? Oh yeah, that's right. Duncan has agreed to uh, GM one of his uh, his own module that he wrote up for uh, uh, for Origins, um, the Death of the Star of Agnor, which I've read. It's a fantastic module. Um, so I'm really looking forward to playing that, or you know, seeing it run at the very least, if uh, if there's not space at the table. But yeah, there's going to be some serious Star Wars gaming at Gen Con, and uh, if you're going to go, you should definitely be a part of it. So you should, yay. yay. <laughs> that was a quite, quite high pitched yay there. Yay. Oh, I thought that was you. <laughs> no, it no, it was me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, what did you get uh, this week from um, the idiot? Oh, don't call him an idiot. He's a fine imperial servant. But uh, yeah, I did get an interesting postcard this week um, from our good friend Commander Cody. A slim card made from a very leathery material and covered in motes of frost. And the picture on it is of a chilly world with freezing oceans, snow-covered steppes and tundra, and the wording on it reads, The tribal spear master welcomes you to Tula, honored imperial guest. We have many fine warriors for your well-paid service. Enjoy the snows of our world and mind the snow demons. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dive and GM Chris, Hi guys. Well, the delivery boys are back in action this week as our unit has been tasked with traveling to the Kyla system in the Outer Rim Territories and to the frozen world of Tula. I've been here before hunting fugitive Jedi scum, but my unit's return to the home world of the bestial Wibbits is for a different reason, and frankly, one I'm not too comfortable The tribal clans of Wibbits, humongous aliens with massive tusks and woolly coats, notorious for their great strength, have been competing against each other to contract out mercenary and bodyguard services for the Empire. The Moffs, and other Imperial officers it seems, have become fascinated with hiring these brutes as a show of force and protection. I'll fail to see how a stout squad of the boys in white won't do the job. There's no accounting for taste, I suppose. Uh, not that I, uh, disagree with the decisions of our fine officers. It's just, uh, I find little use for such aliens, except perhaps as laborers. Tula itself is a very cold world, covered in tundra and snowy mountains, with tribes of whippets wandering the surface and hunting the voracious snow demons that prowl the drifts. Ithaqua Station is one of the largest settlements on Tula, providing a somewhat civilized sanctuary for off-worlders. It's here that we're scheduled to meet one of these brutal tribe chieftains, Spearmaster Mumruk, who has hired a dozen of his warriors to a morph a few sectors over. We had to deliver the smelly aliens to him. Frankly, I don't see how this is worthy work for fine imperial servants. But we live to serve, so who am I to question it, eh? One of my men has tried to impress on me that the Whippets aren't the brutes we think they are. He claims that on a prior mission here, he witnessed the bleak tribal life of these beings, and noted their calm, serene nature. Rubbish, that is. I think we'll have to take him on a long walk, sort him out. 
Well, listen, guys, we're off soon with our cargo of whippets. Our best sign-off. I'll talk to you soon, chaps. If you're in the mood for some great skiing, and perhaps a bit of cheap alien muscle, Tula is the place for you. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. So for the second time tonight, we uh, enter the docking bay. <laughs> so we will start with vote for Pedro. Pedro. Pedro Stecasilo. Ah, <laughs> uh, screw it. I'm just going to call him Stegosaurus. All right, so he has this question a little while ago. Since this may have, may have come up in one of my games, in the future it might come up in one of my games. Little Johnny in the future. I thought I might ask it. What happens when the disarming slash force power is used against an opponent that has both Shicho and the disarming slash power? Okay. Does the opponent still get to use Disarming Slash as a reaction? What happens if both parties succeed on the checks? I'm asking since one of my players has been irritating me with Disarming Slash, and I thought I'd give him a taste of his own medicina. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, for those like following along... Thinking, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Disarming Slash is found on page 30 of the Jedi Academy Training Manual, and it's one of the new lightsaber form force powers. Simply, the way it works is you can attack as a standard action, and along with that attack, you make a use the force check. Now, if you deal damage with your attack, you can then use that use the force check as an immediate disarm attempt against the target. So the force power lets you attack them and then knock the weapon out of their hand, basically. But the power notes that those with the Jedi Knight's Shicho talent, uh, one of the lightsaber form talents on page 218 of the core rulebook, you may activate this power as a reaction. Nice. So basically, uh, if somebody, you know, attacks you, you can, as a reaction, use this power and potentially disarm them. Potentially. So, potentially. So... He's asking, okay, what if you have two people with this power and they use it against each other? Reaction against a reaction. What if they both succeed? Can that work? Dang, you betcha. Um, the action and the reaction are both resolved. The devs have clarified numerous times that reactions and readied actions resolve simultaneously, which means that if both characters succeed in their disarm attempts, they actually disarm each other, which is really cinematically wicked and cool. You know, these two Jedi go at it and saber lock, and then boom, and you know, knock their sabers out of each other's hands. I think that's totally awesome, and yes, it's possible. So there we go. That's cool. It's very cool. Does this uh, make sense? It did make complete sense. It did. It did make a sense. Yeah. Yeah. It did make a sense. Okay. Dasis. Magnitude seventy-seven. Ooh, yes. Chimes in with a question about Ace Pilot. Ooh, Ace Pilot. Love Ace Pilot. Yes. All right. He says, I have a question about the system hit talent. Ace Pilot. Yeah, Ace Pilot uh, talent from Nicole Rubik. It says, whenever you deal damage to a vehicle, blah, blah, blah. So, 
Would you gain the benefits of this talent when using a character scale weapon to attack a vehicle? Like shooting a speeder bike with a heavy blaster rifle. So the wording of this talent doesn't indicate that you can't. And it doesn't specify because it doesn't specify that you have to be using a vehicle weapon. However, common sense would dictate otherwise, since it's part of the gunner talent tree in the ace pilot class. And it has expert gunner as a prerequisite. So there you go. Well, Okay, mag- magnitude is referring to the the system hit talent in the ace pilot's gunner talent tree. It's page two hundred seven of the core rulebook, and in a nutshell, as magnitude points out, if you damage a vehicle and you beat the da- vehicle's damage threshold, the vehicle moves an extra step down the condition track. Um, the talent says nothing about having to make this attack with a vehicle weapon. Um, so you know, per raw, the rules is written in terms of your question. Yeah, you, you could do it any way you wanted. Um, it might do magnitude to infer that this must be the case, that you have to use a vehicle weapon, since expert gunner is a prerequisite for this talent, and expert gunner is a talent that gives you plus one on attack rolls with vehicle weapons. Um, but I, honestly, I think that's kind of limiting. Uh, system hit doesn't call out vehicle weapon use for a reason. System hit, to me, represents an ace pilot's innate understanding of how to best jack up a ship, just based on their experience with vehicle combat. And as such, I think you should be allowed to use personal weapons to do this uh, if they'll do the job. I mean, not too many personal weapons are going to be dealing the, beating the damage threshold of a ship. Uh, the, you know, one exception is probably going to be, you know, maybe a, a heavy-duty personal weapon against, like, you know, maybe a, just a, a land speeder or a, a speeder bike. Um, you know, but as far as my opinion, as well as the raw, the answer is yes. You can use any weapon with this talent. Okay. Does that make sense? TG? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like it, too. It's pretty cool. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, because I have the Wedge Antilles Destiny. Oh, do you? You have the Antilles Legacy. Yeah, Legacy. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that. I am destined to never hit anything I shoot at and somehow be an ace pilot. Yeah. That's that's Wedge. Yeah, it's Wedge's thing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Fury Master. Next up on the chopping block. Fury Master. We had good questions this week. I thought it was Furry Master. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a guy at Gen Con I'll introduce you to. Sasquatch. Oh, dear. Okay, so... He's fitting with his question, though. Yeah, so he has a player uh, who's building a Dathomir witch. Wow. Yeah. For a forthcoming legacy-era campaign, wants to have the ability to control beasts. Mm, Beast Mastery. Nice. Okay, to both ride and, oh, I'm not going to say that, and to use in a combat situation. We are finding it a little ambiguous as to how to get the right control mechanism so the beast will attack foes it is directed to but not be put in a situation where the wild beast is also a threat to allies. The talent we felt to apply to the beast control are Charm Beast and Command Beast from the Dathomir Witch Tree, and the Beast t- Trick Talent from the Control Tree in KOTOR, page 53. So, Beast Trick seems to be pivotal here because it allows the character to use Mind Trick on a Beast to do uncompleted things like attack. My question is, would the character need to spend a Force Point to move the Beast to a helpful attitude as per special use of the Mind Trick power in order to have enough control over the Beast 
to have it attack only enemies it, it is directed to attack and not allies who may be nearby in the fight? Or does the command beast talent grant enough control for this? Would the character need to use mind trick for every foe that she sends her beast to attack during an encounter? Which she needs to use mind trick to bring the beast back. Hmm. Thanks for the advice, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. And after we issue, after we answer your 39 questions, you shall never listen again. <laughs> um, well, this is a, a good question, Fairy Master, but I, I think you're seriously, seriously overanalyzing it. Um, well, the, the, the Dathomiri, I mean, they're, they're known for their ability to use the Force to control animals. Uh, most notably, the the fearsome rancors of Dathomir. So, I mean, this sounds like a really fun character. Now, as for your questions, again, I think I think you and your GM might be worrying a little too much about how each mechanic allows for specific control. Um, first of all, you, you mentioned the command beast talent found in the Dathomir Witch Talent Tree, page one hundred seven of the Core Rulebook. This powerful talent and an upgrade from the Charm Beast talent uh, lets you make a use the force check to treat the creature as domesticated in regards to you. All right? It even points out that you can ride it. All right? This level of control has the clear intent that the beast is fully trained, a mount, and it will do what you tell it. Like, you know, command beast. And domesticated towards you means that you can command it as a domesticated animal. And if I have a domesticated animal, I don't think it's going to go hog wild and attack one of my allies without me telling it to. Kind of my opinion there. Darth Kramer has. Well, he's not domesticated. No, he's not. He can't be. He can't be. So he's at the top of the of the not food chain. He's just higher than us. Hi- hierarchy of power. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think that's probably going to be your best bet, Fury Master, Command Beast, and and Charm Charm Beast. Uh, that's going to be the easiest method to do what you want. Okay. Now the Beast Trick talent that you mentioned from the Kotor Campaign Guide, page fifty three, uh, is another option. That's part of the Control Talent Tree, and it lets you use the mind trick power on a beast with an intelligence of two or less, which you normally can't do. And it gives examples, such as telling the beast to go attack those stormtroopers. Okay, it's pretty cut and dry. If you're worried about the animal needing further direction or whether or not they target allies, um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think so. One use of mind trick should be enough for the encounter, or at least a full minute. Um, that that kind of makes sense, especially per some of the recent clarifications Rodney gave us last time he was on the podcast. So how long does a mind, does mind trick work once you... It's, it's, it's terribly ambiguous, and that's, that's very important. I mean, I mean, as a GM, I usually make it last the encounter. Uh, last time he was on, Rodney suggested a rough guideline of one minute. You know, and most, most encounters don't last ten rounds. So... Um, you know, I, I, and here, here's the point. It, it's up to the GM. And if if your GM is having a problem with that, I want you to I want you to, to get him to listen to this next bit that I'm about to say. Have him listen to it carefully, okay? Carefully, <clears throat> carefully listen. Please tune your ears in <clears throat> now. I'm settling in. GM, if your player invests two, two highly specialized to the point of being useless. In almost any other situation, talents such as Charm Beast and Command Beast into a really cool character concept, and you remove the fun from the freaking game by making his cool, cinematically controlled beast act like a tard and attack an ally or just go berserk, then you need to email me, and we need to have a talk about what fun at the table means and what running a cinematic system calls for. Likewise... If you use Mind Trick in this manner, expending an encounter resource, 
the beast shouldn't do anything that would overtly threaten its life. That would be my only caveat, but that that's about it. Does this does this make sense? Indeed, it does. Yes. I'm scared now. You've been on your soapbox. You've scared me. Yeah, this is my soapbox. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure I'm sure that Fury Master's GM is a fantastic GM. I, I don't I, no. I mean I, I, we, we've we've received no evidence to the contrary. So Okay, right. so I'm going to uh bring up a little note here. In his email that he sent, it says Dear Dear GM Chris and GM Dave, I have a player. Oh, he, he is, is the GM. Still- oh, forgive me, I totally missed that. Okay. All right, then Fury Master, dude, you <laughs> you are seriously overthinking this, dude. You're seriously overthinking this. Make this fun for your player, dude. Don't 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 make his beast attack an ally. Well, dude, that's not fun for anybody. Um except you, maybe. And if it is, it's certainly not fun for your players. So make it fun for your players. Think about what you can do as opposed to what you can't do. So that's there. My general rule of thumb there. Yep. So thank you for that clarification, TG. That puts things in a whole new light. I, I, I missed that completely in the heated vision of my rant. Bah. And now, of course, it is time for the last ever, well, maybe not ever, but at least for the time being, Stormtrooper Poetry. And now, and now, Stormtrooper Poetry. I've been assigned to Scout Patrol. To Endor's Moon, I was told to go. We've got a big secret up in the skies, one that needs me and these two other guys to zip around on speeder bikes and watch out for any rebel strikes, to protect the troops from sneaky spies and look out for these little furry guys. We've been told they're coming, see, and that it will be all up to me and these other two to alert the base and risk our lives protecting the place. But all in all, I'd rather take a little nap and later awake to find myself back in my bed where there's a young lady who said she'd wait for me no matter what and marry me, and so we thought two or three kids would be ideal, living well with home-cooked meals, snuggled up in each other's arms where we would come to no further harm, nice and peaceful and quietly... Wait, did you hear something? I've got a bad feeling about this. Stormtrooper poetry. Nice. Very nice. Brain. See, bringing in, bringing in the I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Which I think we quit finally putting in the show every single episode somewhere around like episode 50. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, dude, Thank I you, uh, Brian. managed to... I managed to get out to Tatooine this past week. For what? Well, uh, something really cool from our good friend, Watto. Hey, welcome to Watto's. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement. And I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) A Jedi. Okay. It's a Jedi. What do you know? Um, Well, um, so we have here today more gear from Batman's utility belt. (laughs) 
Dave, why don't you share with us the uh, the wonderful email we got from Damien of the Realm? Damien of the Realm. Hmm. Okay, so this is a, in a lamenting voice. Let me. The party scoundrel in my weekend game lamented over the lack of any type of smoke grenades in the saga books. You know. There's a flash canister in Jedi Academy, but he really wanted something that affected an area, you know, not a target, man. So he contacted Watto and got this. The PX-40 smoke grenade. Ooh. And uh, this is a very cool little house-ruled item uh, from our good friend Damien of the Realm. And um, it's a, a, a tiny, simple weapon. weighs about half a kilo. Uh, it's restricted, and it only costs 100 credits. Now, it's an area attack weapon, and when the grenade detonates, it deals no damage, but instead it releases an instant cloud of smoke within a two-square radius of the detonation point. The smoke lasts until the end of the attacker's next turn and provides total concealment. Uh, certain conditions, such as a strong wind, may dissipate the smoke quicker. The PX-40 smoke grenade comes in a variety of colors for signaling purposes as well, including blue, green, red, yellow, white, and black. Great little tool. Multicolored? <laughs> hey, oh, well, you know, that's the happy, happy smoke grenade. Um, great tool. Uh, an excellent little, little item. I know this is something that a lot of people have talked about, and the flash canisters kind of filled that niche uh, for, you know, the, the, you know, providing concealment. But uh, this is a little more, a little more specialized. And it can help out uh, an entire party, or targeting kind of the party themselves as opposed to the foes. So, not a bad little item, yeah. I think it's a little expensive, considering that you can get a, a fire extinguisher installed in your droid this, and just use that. Th- this is a possibility, but you cannot throw a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Furthermore, this fills more area than a fire extinguisher. But um, I, I think, I don't know, I think he designed it pretty well. It, it, it is the same cost as a flash canister, so. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. That's cool, I guess. Oh, uh, you don't seem too excited about it. Yeah. What I am excited about, however, is bringing on a guest here to the show. Oh, yes. And I'm uh, hoping you're adding her as we speak. And... We have the opportunity here to bring on our fourth person for the show, which is none other than a legend among the community <laughs> as a whole now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, it is. It really is. And so, um, welcome, Cat, to the show. But she's apparently well, not. She she there. she's she's accepted, but she's not. You She's know. like not actually there at her. I, I I hear nothing. I don't think she was prepared. I don't think she was either. I mean, yeah, not prepared. That's I not mean, true. It can't be. I mean, we sent her the it's show notes. It's got to be a mistake on your side, Dave. Cat would never mess up ever. Ever. All right, whatever. Ever. Okay. Well, you know. Uh, too bad for Cat. She'll join us, I guess, when she's ready. Whenever she's good and ready. So we'll do this. When good games go bad. Yes. We have a story. We haven't had one of these in a while. No. This is Pedro again. So Pedro says that he has a hairy situation that merits some looking into. So let's see what he can do here. So he's got a player who has created a tuxedo-wearing Transjotian Jedi. 
It's pretty cool seeing a Trandoshan in a tuxedo. It's kind of funny. Really? Initially intended to be a temporary character for a friend who just happened to be there that night, in quotes. This character has now appeared in two sessions, and I'm debating what to do with the PC. The player in question has created a semi-delusional, ultra-competitive, munchkin-to-all-hell character in a game that is supposed to be a Jedi versus Sith, good versus evil, straight-faced in concept game. Another problem involves a big difference in player style and GM style. This player likes to break systems and juggle numbers, whereas I have my fun GMing by telling compelling story and creating cinematic encounters. He's a friend outside of the game, so I don't want to get too hard on him, but I'm just Damn unsure about how to deal with his character, as well as two of my five players agree with me that he doesn't really fit the tone of the game, and it's kind of bugging them. Mm. Now, after posting this, Pedro elaborates with a recent frustration. Okay, so he's followed up with more. I've now run into a new batch of problems with this player. In a session played this past Saturday, the PCs were battling a group of Imperial Commandos trying to drop Cloud City out of the sky. Boy, that sounds familiar. <laughs> While the rest of the PCs battled other Commandos and a supervising Sith Lord, this PC, the tuxedo-wearing Trandoshan Jedi, was left to deal with the Imperial Engineers working to drop the city. He tried to intimidate them to no avail, so he decided to kill one of the engineers in an attempt to intimidate the others. What? Something I told him would earn him a dark side point. Especially, yeah! Especially since he was killing to create fear. Absolutely he would. Duh. And hearing this, the player flipped out, going into a long rant about how was he supposed to accomplish anything in the game if he's being so strongly restricted. Bullshit. I informed him... That dark side points are one of the challenges involved with playing a Jedi, which was to him an unacceptable answer. I am unsure exactly what should be done about this, if anything, but this player has a great deal of trouble playing a Jedi character and also seems unwilling to draw him down the dark path even a little. I personally believe this is a very straightforward answer. You have a douche as a player. <laughs> He's wow. unsure exactly if anything should be done. Oh, kill come him. on. Kill him. Well, just I, I think he knows him. exactly what he needs to do. You need he's to have just, a talk with the boy. You need to have you, a talk with do. the lad. Listen, and no, that's listen. It. I understand Pedro's frustration. Clearly, he says the guy's a friend. He's a friend outside of the game. I don't want to, you know, I mean, and I don't want to cause undue tension. This, is a, this can be a really tough situation. Um, a serious conundrum. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean... <sighs> I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been watching this thread at all on our forums, but I, there's some been, some excellent advice that's been posted there, and um, a whole bunch more details come out. And honestly, Pedro, I'm going to echo some of our other forum posters and add a few thoughts as well. First of all, I think it's clear, and TG, Dave, agree or disagree with me, I, I think it's clear there's a highly divergent play style between Pedro and the player. Um, heavily. Uh, I mean, and this this kind of relates back to our discussion in episode seventy that you two were a part of, um, you know, where we talked about different play styles and GMs and players. Yeah. 
And in other posts, Pedro elaborated on the lengths this guy went to in order to min-max his character. And his play style, by Pedro's own admission, is more of this sandbox approach. He wants to be able to, to, to quote-unquote, do whatever he wants. The stereotypical chaotic neutral D&D player, or TG, remember we always called it chaotic asshole? That's, yeah. yeah, chaotic neutral equals douchebag. Douchebag. I mean, listen, Pedro, by your own admission, you're a storyteller GM. Okay, believe me, I can sympathize with you, okay? That's the first problem. Storyteller GMs, the Tolkien's of the world, uh, often, not always, but often, suffer from a hard time running a game on the fly or off the script, as it were. Um, in addition, in addition, I agree with Dave and TJ. It sounds like this guy is whining like a ninny. I mean, no offense, pal, but I've ranted enough about not questioning the GM's dark side point handouts felt like a broken record at times it's his game pal he's agreed to spend his hard-earned time creating it and running it so you go with it or you leave bottom line you don't like his gm decision you make your own campaign find a gm you do dig right either that or if you want to do whatever you want don't play a character that has to live by a code for crying out loud dickhead uh pretty much i mean i i know uh tg Yes. Thoughts. Thank you. I, <laughs> they're a little, I'm a little slow on the uptake right now. No, trying to form formalize this in my head. If the guy, the the whole situation that he's talking about specifically with getting a DSP. No, you don't question the GM if he's going to give it to you. So I'm sure the situation he really warranted it. Um, if if the troopers weren't trying to shoot at him, then there is no reason that he should be uh, he should be trying to kill him. There's a dozen other ways he could have resolved that situation. You know, yeah. I, a dozen other ways. A dozen other ways. A dozen other ways. At least. I mean, P- Pedro, to 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 your other question in terms of of how to talk to your player about this without alienating him, that seems to be a concern to you. Look, dude, if he's a true friend. He shouldn't have an issue with you being honest and open with him, especially if you come at him in a non-combative manner. Speak to him about it privately, for, for Yoda's sake, and be honest. Yoda. Tell him, I, I'm, I'm not having fun. Okay, are you having fun? Here's why I'm not having fun. I think, th- I, And this is why I think you're not having fun. Am I right? And maybe, just maybe, buddy, my game isn't the game for you. Okay, hell, have him listen to this part of the podcast, okay? And if it pisses him off to hear it, okay, let us be the focal point of the anger. Yes, wouldn't be the first. Wouldn't be the first time. Would not be the first time. Heck yeah, because then he'll post on the forums. Donovan Morningfire will like piss him off, and then he'll get more pissed <laughs> off, and then I'll have to ban him. So. There you go, picking on Dono. Mm. Catch. Well, it's about <laughs> bloody time for you to show up. Thanks a lot. Show. You know, you figure you would have like tested before. I mean, it's not like we were doing a podcast or anything. Uh, you oh, know. I don't know ahead of time or anything. Yeah. Oh, it's not like Dave was an hour late or anything. Hey, shut up. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's something... Oh, I'm not controlling this guy. Otherwise, I could have muted you. You could have. You could have. We lost chat room, by the way. Why? How? Yeah. It, everything went all clear. Oh, damn it. It's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the chat room, Cat! It's all cat. Well, Cat, did you did you hear any of this when good games go bad? Well, no, but um, you'd read it, huh? I I am prepared for the discussion. <laughs> all right, what's your two cents? Uh, we're off well, air, aren't we? Well, we're still recording. 
I, uh, my thing was, I think that Pedro had an out with the, the indication that this Jedi was initially just there because mm. he has a very good reason to go back to this player and go, you know, I've been rethinking this and how it works into my campaign. And here's the direction I'm willing to go. Will you meet me in the middle? Excellent suggestion. Words of wisdom, I would say. <laughs> I do like the diplomatic route. Yes, yes. But no, that, that, that's a good point. And it's, it's tough when you have the character that kind of came in, you know, late and ends up staying. And I don't know, the, the divergence in play styles can be a real, a real serious drag. And, you know, Kat, I know you haven't had the displeasure of gaming with too many dillweeds, but I know TG and I have. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it, can be, it can be a real bummer. Just, you know, guys that are they're going to do whatever. Uh, the, the, the old D&D example is, of course, playing the Paladin. The Paladin who just can't seem to follow the code of the Paladin at all. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, if it's not that one extreme, it's the other. It's the guy who, you know, is going to be a total douche following the code so rigidly that, you know, it, it, it screws everyone else over at the table. You know, he takes the most literal interpretation of it. That sucks too because that that's almost more frustrating than the reverse. It is of someone who can't follow the code at all. Yeah. Well, and I wasn't clear. This is someone who's playing a Jedi. I'm assuming that he is playing a Jedi and not a lightsaber dude. But I don't even know if he knew that option existed. This is very true. This is very true. But uh, from the from the posts in the forum, it sounds like he knew he was playing a Jedi. I mean, it was made very clear to him early on that you know you're playing a Jedi a member of the Jedi Order. Okay. Well, and even so, a DSP is a DSP. So. Yeah, I would agree. And it, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get rid of it. I mean, the next session, pretty much, it's gone if it's one DSP. Eh. What's the What's the rule? The The harder you argue against it. Mm-hmm. That's what Donovan was saying. The more you deserve it. Yep. Heck yeah. Pretty much. Dave, how are we doing on the chat room? Any luck? I hear furious typing. Oh, that was me typing <laughs> to tell the chat room that uh, that it's being worked on. <laughs> oh Thanks. man. Is Dave still even on? He probably muted because he's probably cussing. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. Dave, come back. Hey, I'm here. Just you guys, you know, I mean, extemporaneous and you apparently don't collide in the same sentence. So. <laughs> well, I think the discussion's done and we're ready for fragments from the rim is what's the... Uh... Oh, really? Well, okay. I can try and fix it while we, yeah, break for the Alex and Trevor show. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> now, let's do that. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. And this is segment number 20 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about the scoundrel talent Befuddle from page 15 of Scum and Villity. Not so much because I want to talk about the talent exactly, but more because I want to talk about multi-classing. This specific talent 
states that if you succeed at a deception check against the target's will defense as a swift action, until the start of your next turn you can move through the threatened area of that target as part of your move action without provoking an attack of opportunity. Each threatened square that you move through counts as two squares of movement. This is simply the tumbling function from the acrobatic skill. The difference being that you have to beat your opponent's will defense, which can increase over time instead of a static DC of 15. And it costs you a swift action, where acrobatics is simply part of your move. Now, there are definitely easier ways to get acrobatics, especially because the scoundrel already has acrobatics on their skill list. If this perhaps were a noble talent, it might be a little more valuable. So here is one example of how you can get the effect of a skill by using a talent. I think, however, this is a suboptimal choice. First of all, simply spend a feat to take skill training and pick up that extra skill that you don't have. Of course, you've got to make sure that you step into a different class, but feats are less expensive than talents. I personally also find feats quite valuable, so I choose a different method. I start almost all my characters with an odd intelligence, either 11 or 13, and then, at level 4, boost it and pick up your extra skill. Particularly when you're aiming for a specific prestige class, I often find this is the most effective way to multi-class your character to pick up a different skill that you need. Over to you, Trevor. And today, I'm going to talk about Advantageous Attack Feat, found on page 31 of the Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. The prerequisite is just a base attack bonus of plus one, which means every character could have it by, like, third level. And the benefit is, is whenever you make a successful attack against an enemy who has not yet acted in combat, you add your full heroic level to damage rolls instead of half. So this is a really nice feat to take early on, because it, it constantly gets better, and it makes up for those half levels where you don't have that extra half point of damage. Now you'd always have an extra point of damage. And, yeah, it only works when your initiative uh, is higher than the bad guys, but you just build your character so that it is. So it means that your first attack in every round is going to be that much more effective, which could be the difference between life uh, or death in a campaign. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right, Alex, Trevor, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your fine work, as always. And with that, it brings us to... There you are. Baba. Um, we are calling this segment a long time ago in a galaxy hell and gone away from this one. Um, <laughs> pretty much. And, uh, so, so, okay. So, so basically I get an email a couple weeks ago from a certain Darth GM, whose real name is Phil, by the way, great name, Phil. And I shall, I shall paraphrase the, the, the email. Razafrazin Infinity's bug. God damn it, man. I don't have enough time for the campaigns I've got in my noggin right now. What in the hell am I supposed to do now that I've got this idea for an Infinity's game bouncing around in my head, demanding time from my fingers and my keyboard? And I blame you! 
for doing what Dark Horse Comics could not and showing me how cool an Infinity's game could be. Which brings me to my request. What about a show dedicated to coming up with an Infinity's campaign? Because let's face it, Uncle George gave us some really neat toys to play with, but we don't have to use them in his sandbox all the time. Well said. Very, Very well said. said. Yeah. And Phil went on to go into more detail and express several ideas of his own, which we'll come to. But basically, his email combined with several other requests I've gotten over the past year, combined with the half dozen threads that have popped up on our own forums in the last two months dealing with the alternate universe, a.k.a. Infinity's games, as well as those on Watsi's Praxium board, um, as well as my obvious stake in my current flagship Alt-U game, I thought this would be an excellent topic for a show. Um, and also the reason we have our special guest, Kat, one of my players. So providing that, uh, that, that Star Wars alternate universe knowledge. I kind of wanted to get Brev on too, but alas, he was traveling this evening and could not join us. I'll just have to be good enough for both of us. I, I know you can be. Oh, yeah. Nice. I, she- I, I, know, I know you can be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because Kat's such a player. She's, she's one of your players. She's a, oh yeah, she's one of my players. Player Dave, do you think Cat's a player? Player? No. <laughs> Snap. Player. All right. So player. to, to the to the the point of 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 creating an alternate universe game. Look, the bottom line, guys, is this, and I know you all can attest to this. Many Star Wars players are canon junkies. Um, excuse me, canon fanatics. Duncan, I'm talking to you. What? Um, no. You must uh, be. This this phenomenon can potentially lead to a horrible game experience, and we discussed this with the ever so insightful gamer and gnome stew blogger Matt Nagley back in April on episode sixty-two. Burn, burn, burn! The Ring of Fire. Um, great discussion. And I've had friends and fellow Star Wars gamers tell me in earnest that the mere thought of a game that diverged from canon would make their skin crawl. Get over it. Get over it. I don't. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Hey, teach their own. But the, the thing is this. And yet, despite this, what is it that keeps these Infinities threads continually popping up on the inner tubes? Why do I get emails every month from gamers asking for advice on building a good non-canon game? Why did some dude look Chris Perkins in the face at Gen Con Star Wars panel last year and earnestly ask, does Watsy have any plans to publish an Infinities campaign guide? Uh, how does that the, make sense? The, the, answer, the answer was no, by the way. Yeah, uh, that would absolutely make not make what? sense. How, like, how could Watsy publish an Infinities campaign? Because there's been a series of Dark Horse comics that were called the Infinities line that was like a whole series of alternate storylines that they produced, so it would kind of be centered around that. Ah, but I see. There you go. Um, so, I mean, honestly, though, what, what is it? Why are some of us fascinated with this? Is it a desire to flirt with the dark side that keeps us enamored with diverging from the all-powerful canon? Honestly, guys, I I, I don't know, but but here's here's what I do know, and I... I speak from deep personal experience, and I believe all three of you, I hope, would agree with me. It can be one of the most fun times you've ever had, and there's not a better avenue to explore a break from canon than with an RPG. So I'm glad I've got you all, my good friends, along for this ride as we we talk about the best things to consider when making a non-canon game, uh, as well as throw some ideas your way to inspire the creative juices. So. You you assume we're all your friends. Well, this is this is very true. Dave, yeah. 
Yes. Are, can I are help you, you? Are you are you my friend? Remains to be seen. It's a rather new <laughs> development. Eh, understandable. Cat, cat, are you are you my friend? Um, you control Skype, so yes. Nice. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Fine. <laughs> and cut me off TG. Skype, and I will do the podcast by myself, and I'll Skype Cat. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's delve into this. Um. Uh, this first segment I want to call Diverging from Reality. And I really, I kind of want this to be a really open session, guys. So please pipe up at any point in time. Yes. Um, uh, let's talk about diverging from reality, creating a setting, and, and driving a canon break home for your players. Um, I think there's some methods that we can use to create an excellent alternate universe game. And uh, they, they do demand, demand an amount of <gasps> uh, forethought and, and gosh, golly gee, planning. Uh, oh, seriously. Yeah. I, I can't stress this enough. Amazingly, surprisingly, creating a good non-canon game requires some serious thought. And that's kind of weird. The, the, the world of Star Wars is so familiar, so common to us all, that many GMs and players fall into that story so easily. So GMing an Infinity's game on the fly can be very, very hard. Um, or you know, incongruous at best. So I don't even see why you need to say that, because to me, it automatically automatically I assume that it, it's going to take a heck of a lot more work to put together an Infinities campaign because you're writing your own stuff. You, you are, but, but you know, but I, I got, like, I got an email a while back from a guy who basically said, you know, we, I tried to do a pickup game and we tried to do an Infinities game, but we just, we had a great uh, divergence point, but we just never fell through with it. We seem to just fall back into the story because he was just running it on the cuff. He hadn't planned anything out and it can be hard to come up with all that detail on the fly. Uh, you can still use similarities. Sure, original, absolutely. But, I mean, but, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, but, yeah, you can't you can't just run it on the fly by the seat no, of your pants. No, suffice it to say. No. Yeah, yeah, Red 3 style. <laughs> so, I mean, what uh what what kind of suggestions can you guys think would be excellent a way to start, you know, building a game uh, if you're wanting to run down this route of the infinities All setting. Right, you're talking to a dude who's going to bust out a Visio all right, to like flow chart the whole dang thing. So don't talk to me. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, TG Cat, any su- any any suggestions from your end? What things you might think would be a good a good start? Well, I well, think you'd have to figure out what you want to do. That's different, first of all. <laughs> you need, you need to list out the the main points of of it, just like Cat said. Just yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, list your key plot points. Uh, Phil champions that idea as well, and I've, I've done it myself. Make a list of half a dozen or so key elements that will make your story divergent. Um, as an example, uh, from my own all-you game, um, I, when, I, when I was creating it, I wrote down six things. Now, for the sake of the sessions that have yet to be played, I will reveal three of the things I wrote down. <laughs> Boo! Boo hiss. The first thing I wrote down Anakin didn't stop Mace Windu from killing Palpatine. As such, the Republic never fell. That was like the pivotal part. That, that was the pivotal part. That was what changed everything else, okay? The next two things I wrote down. Second, Luke and Leia were both raised to become Jedi Masters. And the third thing, Luke will be portrayed as a fallen Jedi, but ultimately Leia will be the real villain. We've come to that point in the game, obviously. So... Once you've you've got those those points of divergence written down, um, the next thing for for me in terms of a major step was was setting the time period. Um, now, guys, you know, I mean, obviously, my our, our campaign takes place in what would have been about 
what uh, I mean if, if we if we if we if you know the, the changes hadn't happened, it'd be about what thirty ABY after the Battle of Yavin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so about the yeah. I mean, so the, the new Jedi Order era, technically, but in my world, it's still the era of the Republic. Okay, the the biggest change in my setting occurred over fifty years ago. Okay, Anakin letting Palps be killed. It triggered every other change in my list. It was the key decision point for the game. And as such, it's important for you to decide based on that key decision point when you want your game to start. So. Guys, what, what options are there for when to start your game? What, what, what era to start your game in terms of uh, when that decision point has occurred? Well, I, I don't know, dude. There's, there's, there's so many different ways that you can approach it, but you know, if you look back at past history, mm-hmm. you, know, you get to X, right? Um, this is the whatever happened happened in the past. Like in your case, Palpatine yeah. was killed fifty years ago. Yeah, and so all these changes have happened since then. So you can start anytime you want to, but your point of reference is always in the past. Yes, and that was a tough decision for me. I I, I call that that approach kind of the the history past approach. Um. Where, as you say, that, that key event has happened you know, decades ago, centuries ago sometimes. Um, initially, I hadn't planned on doing that for my game. But as I wrote it, I found that I wanted my players to be immersed in, in a really unfamiliar Star Wars world. Unfamiliar to them, at any rate. So that necessitated, that necessitated 50 years of alternate history, which the, this, this approach let me accomplish. See, but, that um, seems mm-hmm. like the easiest way to go about it. Because yeah. if you're going to diverge from canon especially people who are canon fanatics or junkies then you need to create a whole different set of scenarios and rules and a whole different world and that's hard to do in star wars when the when the world and the history has been documented so well that you just need to come up with a huge long history for it absolutely but it, it is it is often the tack taken by the storyteller gm kind of like myself but Honestly, it, I don't think that's the easiest thing to do. It might be the most readily apparent thing to do, but it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, I think one of, the, one of the easiest things to do would be uh, setting it in what I call the moment of truth approach, which is actually what I'd initially considered for my campaign, where the campaign begins immediately after the key moment happened. Then you let the players, the PCs, you guys are left to define that history for yourselves to a large extent. Um, and and that that's that's very interesting, um, but I think there's a third option too, which I call uh, the world's largest sandbox, where this approach starts the campaign honestly before the key moment occurs. Um, in fact, I think GMs who want this type of Infinity's game often will tell their players, you know, please, I want to encourage you guys to break from canon and do whatever you want, and then they just start the game in canon. The idea is that the players not only decide the history after the key moment, but they decide the key moment itself. This right. is the game where they're going to go ahead and, you know, hunt down Anakin Skywalker and kill him when he's 12, you know, or, uh, you know, they run across Han Solo and blast him to bits, you know, stuff like that. Right. So that seems... It's somewhat interesting, and I think some players would get a kick out of it. But at the same time, how do you see the results of it? And people who are canon junkies, they're going to want to play out the story instead of trying to diverge from it. Well, I think 
if you, if you're going to attempt an alt U game, you have, kind of have to get a buy in from a canon junkie early to say, listen, you know, this is going to be you know divergent from canon, and they got to be okay with that. You know, they're I think I think that's kind of a given. So. Oh, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's always the possibility that any game could become a world's largest sandbox game. I mean. The playgroup saved Alderaan. Congratulations. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. and that's that's exactly it. And that can be that can be very rewarding. But um, how do you see the repercussions of the the changes that you make? You know, cuz for for you for the current campaign having Palpatine die didn't really have an immediate effect it would be years before we would see how it would ultimately affect everything in the world. This is true. It would be a much slower curve for those changes. So, you know... It, 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 seems, it seems like a more immediate... Um, playing it this way is more of a, a quick fix. Uh, a quick... Not quick fix, but, you know, getting your... What am I trying to say? I don't know. What are you trying to say? I think it's incredibly hard to plan for. It's incredibly hard to plan for. How can I as a GM plan for my Infinities campaign when I don't know when the players are going to deviate from canon? I think that's uh, that's a bad yes. idea. Well, Yeah, and it, you have to think on the fly about yes. how it's going to affect the entire history now going forward. Yes. At the time would be the future. So you guys are you guys are bringing together kind of the whole point of this. As a GM, know your GM style. If you're a storyteller, you're a storyteller. If you're Pedro, who you know, with our good games go bad segment earlier, is like, listen, I can't do a game on the fly. I, I gotta I gotta go off a storyline. The the history past method is going to be the best approach for you. If you hate creating games and just like sitting down with beer and pretzels and doing something on the fly, I think the world's largest sandbox or the moment of truth is going to be the way to go. Where you sit down and go, okay, guys, um, you guys are part of a Jedi squad that's off to uh, arrest uh, Emperor Palpatine with Mace Windu. Uh, roll up level thirteen characters and go. And you know, if you know, give them the opportunity to you know not die. <laughs> so. It depends on the GM style and the game you're looking for, but but definitely for a for a campaign, I think the history pass method is the best way to go. Myself, yeah. I agree. With yeah, you. me too. So, but you guys kind of hint around the next point. Um, it, it's kind of all in the details, and the reason that history pass method is so sought after. So, okay, now now that you've made a list, now that you know what your key divergences are, it's time for the best part, my favorite part exploring and cataloging all the effects of your changes. Um, the most memorable non-canon stories, are, it's, it's all about the details. Um, we seem to get a giddy glee in seeing a, an Ewok fiddling about on the Star Forge or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi teaching Leia how to harness the Force. But there are, there are key things to remember here when you're developing your details. A good Infinities game, interestingly, doesn't create too much new material. I believe this was said earlier. It simply rearranges and reorders existing and familiar themes and characters. Um, for example, in, in my Alt-U game, uh, the Republic survived, uh, but war-stricken and flat broke. They couldn't afford to make any more clones. So the current Republic military commandos are regular people, like stormtroopers, who do wear the ever-so-familiar clone armor, and they're now called GAR troopers, or guard troopers. 
Um, you know, Han Solo, still a smuggler and a scoundrel, but he has no imperial service in his past. As such, he never met Chewbacca, uh, who happens to be a senator now. Uh, so it, it goes on and on and on. What moments have you guys experienced in your alternate universe play where you saw a, a, a detail or a moment of what would have been Star Wars canon rearranged slightly that, that made you smile or that you you saw the, the same elements and themes being used just in a different way. Can you remember anything off the top of your head that, that struck you as, as, as interesting? Han Solo, hands down. <laughs> well, I believe your character actually got jiggy with Han, so that was <laughs> memorable, to say the least. I'd have to say Lando. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, this was interesting to me, because with Lando, I mean, honestly, what a whole lot really hadn't changed for him. Yeah, but I didn't... Mm. At the same time, he hadn't really gone to more respectable paths, shall we say? Mm, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's so. that's that's easy enough. So, Dave, any thoughts? No, we can move on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Stolen thunder. So, okay, let's. We, we've talked about you know ways to, to to look at you know building up your campaign and looking at the details. Let's get to the most fun part of this discussion: um, ideas for your noggin. Uh, some of the most fun I think to be had in creating an Infinity's game is creating these points of convergence, the areas of division that separate the timeline of your world. And so, with the help of many of you, Gamer Nation, and your fine suggestions on the interwebs, um, as well as the four fine minds we have here, uh, <laughs> we are going to uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to stimulate your creative juices with some plot divergence ideas. So, what repercussions would such events have had? So, let's let's start off. I, I know uh, I, we had you guys come up with some great plot convergence ideas. Um, Kat, you want to get the ball rolling? Uh, sure. Um, so my, my first thing was, what if at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, Luke said, you're my father. Cool. Let's go kill the Emperor. <laughs> the whole scene where, you know, he's, you know, we can, you know, together we can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. So you're saying, what if Luke went along with it? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Fuzzy little Ewoks may never have been found. This, this, is, this is very true. Um, it would have necessitated a, uh, a a kind of fall to Luke. You know, he didn't show any any dark side capability at that point. But it would have been, uh, God, that that would have been interesting. I'm trying to think of what would have happened for, if it had that had happened. Uh, I mean, they, I I think I think the, I think the pair of them could have taken Palpatine. I think so too. And you never know; Luke could have been lying. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe he could have you know taken them both out. But even then, not not exactly the Jedi way. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. What other what other details can you see flowing from that? I mean, obviously, uh, if if Luke truly did fall to the dark side, I think the Rebel Alliance probably would not have made it. Agreed. Um, I mean, at that point, the Death Star would have gone forward to kind of crush any hope of resistance they ever had, um, and you would have seen just pretty much a dark era, probably until the Yuuzhan Vong invasion. Uh, Leia would have yeah. stepped up because there is another Skywalker. Ooh, see, now we bring the interesting part in. See, instead of just saying, yeah, it was boring and done and all that, what we have is bringing in an element of, of okay, well, we would have had someone else step up. Okay, so 
to, to bring it back to our Infinity's game that we're playing with, with my story, obviously the Republic never fell, but we now have a presence where the Republic has almost started to turn into more of an Imperial state. And we've had a resistance movement spring up, and it's led by none other than Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, familiar themes and elements that just happen in different slight places in mild ways. I can truly see that. I can see Leia filling that niche and becoming the hero Skywalker that should have been and perhaps redeeming her brother. And I can see this, this wonderful scene where her brother dying, you know, uh, lifts Darth Vader and throws him over a chasm. And, you know, before he dies heroically and Leia burns him on a pyre. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my imagination's going wild. Yeah, there you go. Next See? campaign, next campaign. <laughs> next campaign, next campaign, next campaign. So, all right, Dave, what about you, man? What points of convergence uh, my, were, uh, would, would hit you up? Mine that I uh, just about planned a campaign around was Han Solo went right around the tree instead of left. <laughs> and so he... Very interesting. So he mm. did not step on the branch. He killed the guy, and the plan went off without a hitch. And they lost because they didn't meet the Ewoks. That's right. I mean, something as small as going around a tree the other way. Yes. So by virtue of hand rolling a natural one on his stealth check. (laughs) Right. A whole chain of events happened with speeder spike chase and Leia went off and discovered Wicket and the Ewoks. And that was the reason that we won the Battle of Endor. Right. Because... Very, Very, very interesting. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, that's one of them. I mean, there there were a lot of ideas on the chat room that I saw that were really big deals, you know, about like Qui-Gon surviving or Shmi Skywalker surviving, you know, uh, turning people to the dark side that were light or or not turning them to the dark side that were dark. I saw a lot of those. There, those, there then, are a lot. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there, you know? Yeah, it just, it's limited by none of none other than your imagination. Right. Um TG, anything that, that struck you as something really, really cool? Well, I, I've always loved Qui-Gon, so the idea of him actually surviving would be, I, I don't know how to put it, in my fantasy world, which this is basically, <laughs> would be a dream come true, that he would win, because I liked his ideals, and I wanted him to be able to impart that more to Anakin. Now, there's uh, the question, and, and not so much Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan was so controlling and so analytical and methodical and that's not what Anakin needed. He needed Qui-Gon. So oh, there's he, a good one. Yeah. What if Yoda was really the Sith Lord? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, that's a good one. Kill, kill you, I will. <laughs> but I, I really like, to go back to your earlier uh, su- uh, suggestion, TG, I like the idea of Qui-Gon surviving. I'm a huge fan of this. I mean, let's say Obi-Wan made it through the energy barrier in time and the pair of them finished off uh, the Sith Lackey, Darth Maul together. Mm-hmm. I mean, what then? Qui-Gon would have taken Anakin as his apprentice, yes? Even without the Council's permission, he said he would. Yeah, and he keeps... he So then he keeps him away from Palpatine? Yeah, um, right. absolutely. I, I seriously doubt he would have spent time in the core. I mean, not, not Qui-Gon. He would have gone off and done his own thing with his unorthodox methods. And Obi-Wan goes yeah. to the dark side because he's mad. <laughs> yeah, but Obi-Wan <laughs> knows about Leia, so then he goes and finds her... And they take care of Palpatine together, and Obi-Wan and Leia are now the... Oh. There's, there's a lot of possibilities there. Maybe Obi-Wan becomes Palpatine's apprentice. That could be very interesting. Takes Palpatine and, and then basically, takes Leia and then canon continues. Canon continues 
except that they kill Leia because they know about Leia. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Entirely possible. Now, Dave, you mentioned an interesting one earlier um, that I think is very interesting. What if what if Shmi Skywalker survived? Oh, that's an easy one, dude, because that's what started Anakin down the down the path of the dark side. I, I think I it was. Think it would have, I that could th- be. Yeah, this is this is the question. Yeah. Uh, I was I think, by canon anyway. I think that was the first time he showed his anger. I mean, he he did slaughter an entire village of beings. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Let's, let's say he'd gotten to her before she died. Really, would would he have fallen, or would her living influence, her presence, have been enough to 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 bolster him, to give him what he needed? You know, I mean, at that point, she was a free woman. She was no longer a slave. Um, she lived, leaded a good life with a husband who loved her and children. Why, you know? You know, he would probably get angry about um, not being able to uh, marry at that point and have the kind of life that. His mother now had happily married with children. Yeah, this is true. Adopt, you know, and, and he probably still would have married. Probably still would have married Padme, and uh, you know, and I, I think you know the whole childbirth death thing could have happened. But I don't know. What if Shmi hadn't died? I think I think if you wanted to make a case in your game where Anakin didn't fall, that would be an excellent turning point to do that. Well, you'd have to decide. The force still needs balance. Who is it going to come from? Ah, right. yeah, yes. Yeah. And these are these are the key themes we come back to. That even even in the Infinities game, there are things that there there are still prophecies to be fulfilled. There are roles that have to be fulfilled. So who's going to yeah. do it? I like um, when Han comes back, and he does what a pilot should do, <laughs> and take out <laughs> the lead Tie Fighter. <laughs> Which was Vader. Which was Vader. And so he blows up Vader, and the other two are like, oh, what the, oh my gosh. And then, you know, and then he bullseye the Womp Rat, and the, the whole Death Star blows up, and Vader's gone. So you're saying Vader's out of destiny points? Vader is out <laughs> of destiny points at that point, yep. He is he is uh, with Porkins on the Death Star, having ejected in space, <laughs> and it blows up. Okay, I never got that. I never got that. They tell, tell Porkins, eject, eject, eject. Okay, so even, okay, I understand that his suit has life support and all that. Okay, so he ejects. One, th- what then? He's going to float around in space or most likely get drawn down to the Death Star due to its gravitational pull. Either way, he's going to be right next to the darn thing when it explodes. You think they're going to stop and pick him up? I, I don't know. I mean, it could be the Vogons come and get him and then read him poetry. Oh. <laughs> That's Man. worse, that's worse than being subjected to the bug bladder beast of Troll. That's right. <laughs> See, <laughs> that right there is the infinite improbability drive. That is fine. All right, but your suggestion about Vader dying, this is very interesting. Building off that, if Vader had truly died, do you think Luke could have become a Jedi? More importantly, do you think he could have beaten Palpatine? Because he didn't. Vader did. Right. Um... I don't know. I think things would have developed so much slower because Palpatine would have had to find a new apprentice mm-hmm. and Luke would have continued his training slower. I don't know. Maybe his they would have been absolutely emboldened in the rebel camp. Uh, I don't know. I think the whole story changes at that point. Yeah, definitely. I, I, think, I think Palpatine goes off and and he finds um, Darth Malak. <laughs> <laughs> Alive after 4,000 years. Frozen <laughs> in carbonite. And then uh, becomes a Yuzam Vong. 
<laughs> oh, see, there, there you go. With there the go. Borg. God. <laughs> okay. uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Any other cool uh, Infinities ideas that have struck you guys? Well, I like whatever happens that what Kat struck on earlier was making sure that there was still the prophecy to be fulfilled. And I like the idea that with the twins being born, that one is good and one is bad. And they're destined to battle each other. And in battling each other, they, one of them, or maybe both of them even, learn how to bring balance. How to not be just good or just bad or whatever you think the point of what the balance is supposed to be. But... is it makes sense. You got a girl and a boy born at the same time that are both force sensitive. It just makes sense that they're the ones that are going to bring the balance. So take it take it down the path of 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 one good and one bad and that's your divergence because they're yeah. they're both good in canon, right? So Yeah. Yeah, well, Luke did a lot of dark side flirting after the films um in fact, he actually fell to the dark side for oh, a short time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but he was Going he was still brought further. back because that was that was his thing. Was you know, oh, you can't have just light and dark. You have to be gray. And so I will start experimenting with the dark side. But it doesn't work that way. Once you start down the dark path, forever would it dominate, dominate your, your destiny. destiny. Yeah, indeed. So he, yeah, <laughs> he's like, you know, he he, he fell. Um, but that was I think I don't think that was an issue with the you know the dark light mechanic. It was just his problem. I think. But, right. I know, it's, what if, it's interesting. Oh well, man, what if what if they were separated at birth, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't know they did not know that they were brother sister. And no, they played no. and they played the game the whole family can play by Milton Bradley, Incest. Um I would argue I would argue that 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 they would have gotten to that far. they would have gotten to the point and they just would have felt so creeped out about it and they would have looked at each other and said, But I think we're related. I know. I've always known. And yeah. And then bangage commences. Yeah, no. That's that's yeah, no. 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 Mm. Not no. so much. Not so much, man. Sorry, I yeah, no. Yeah. Brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, well to to put a to put a uh, a cap on some some Infinity's ideas out there, but I I guess what I what I really wanted to ask you guys is from our from our own experiences with the Infinities game we've been running for a year now. What enjoyment have you gotten out of it in terms of of diverging from canon? And what advice can you give other players who want to play in this setting or GMs who want to create this setting? So we'll have a we'll have a crossfire to a roundtable discussion. Uh cat, uh go. Um well as far as advice, I would say don't be afraid to change things that are somewhat trivial uh, in regards to the rest of the plot. Um, you know, if don't be afraid that your players are going to look at you and go, well, you know, that's not how it is in canon. Um, play with it. Have fun. Uh, little details. Um, for example, in our game, my character is from Alderaan because it didn't get blown up. So not you know, think about the ramifications of the things that you change but also what impact that has on 
things that may not have happened as well as things that did happen. Mm-hmm. Good suggestion, positive and negative. I like the idea of talking it over with your players before you do it. That way they know it's uh, all you, Infinities. And the cannon junkies have the ability to decide that they don't want to play if they don't like it, you know. Mm-hmm. You start it, you, you know, starting on a path and all of a sudden Palpatine gets killed. And they're like, WTF, man. And they don't want to play anymore. You know, like WTF. I can't WTF. hit it. I can't hit the light switch with my lightsabers. I'm leaving. <laughs> well, I think that that particular instance was more bad GMing than anything else. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you uh, know, I just uh, I don't know, man. Just get get some buy-in from your players before you start. Plan. We already said plan, plan, plan. Plan. You don't need a yeah. Vizio. You don't need a Vizio. You know freaking swim lanes or anything, but you do need to plan. Have a good set of events. One thing that I would say is this doing a Infinities campaign is probably a great idea for new players um, who are not super Star Wars fanatics like me. I don't know every... I'm like my husband. Every line to every single one of the movies, and I haven't read any of the books, so I don't, I don't know canon. Yeah, uh, it's just like me. And so, the idea of having to play in canon makes me nervous because I don't know it. So I don't know if all of a sudden I'm slipping up and screwing up the whole storyline. But it, I'm much more comfortable knowing that this is a completely different storyline, so I can have fun and do what my character would do that I created them to be able to do. So, Oh my gosh. But- she killed Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> He's not supposed to die yet. You're not supposed I to kill him. I can't believe you killed Dooku. What's wrong with you? You're out of this game. You're, you're <gasps> going to, you're going to attack Jabba the Hutt. What? <laughs> what? Well, he looks like a bad guy. I mean, listen, the mere fact that, that, that we have had questions on this very podcast and discussions on our forums and other forums and across the inner tubes, asking how much canon do you allow in your games? Meaning, do you ever introduce Jabba the Hutt to your players? Do you ever introduce Yoda to your players or Vader or the Emperor? Because I'm scared to death that they might kill him and, and destroy canon. The very fact that we get those questions tells us what a sacred cow this is to a lot of people. And, you know, it, it, it can be... It can be Tough. Have you guys enjoyed playing in in a in an? All, I mean, obviously, TG's answer I think was definitely a yes. But I mean, I mean, Cat, Dave, have you guys enjoyed playing in a in an Infinities game and, and putting canon aside? Not really. <laughs> good, good to know, buddy. Uh, yes, yes, um, yes, yeah. Oh, I, I like. That. I really wouldn't have it any other way at this point because really? I don't. I don't like to. You know me, I'm not I'm not one to be constrained by anything and so I'd screw up canon on purpose just to piss people off. So I like yes. the infinities. I, I I it gives me you know, we need breathing room. You know. <laughs> Earth, Hitler, nineteen thirty eight. We need breathing room. Uh, well, it's it's fun to to sit and think about, okay, I've been through nine sessions now. What have we not encountered? What else is out there that I know should be out there? 
<laughs> you guys have proposed some interesting mental suggestions. That's right. Third star to the right. Go. And straight on till morning. So I, I don't know. For, to, for, for for my own advice, I think I think attempting an alternate universe game can be a hoot. But to do it right, you need three very important things. Good planning, attention to the details, the little things, and as Dave mentioned, most importantly, the buy-in of your players. Um, I yep. think with that, you can create a memorable and a fun adventure that would make any, any canon junkie proud to take part in. Right. And, um, and fourth, and, and fourth. Fourth? Good planning. We already said good planning. Oh, oh yes. Good planning. And then good planning. Right. And, uh, and th- that's basically it. But using these guidelines, starting by identifying key decision points in your games and exploring how those spider webs or can, you know, those ramifications can affect everything else is a fun exercise um, that can really help you solidify your world if you're going to do this right. I would also encourage you, in my case, I didn't, I didn't do this with my own players because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, a lot of the fun, like Kat says, is figuring out what's next. But if you're so inclined and your players are down for it, have a session with your players just to hammer this stuff out. How, you know, if you guys are all in for it, brainstorm and say, look, okay, uh, you know what? The Rebel Alliance was on Dantooine. Uh, Leia Ooh. couldn't take it, and she gave them up to save Alderaan, and uh, they were destroyed by the Death Star. What happens now? Right. And, and, yep. and go with it. Yeah, and, 3PO uh, did not run into R2-D2 on the barge and knock the bartending <laughs> thing off the top, and so the lightsaber came out and hit the bartending thing and didn't make it to Luke. And Luke got eaten by a Sarlacc, and, and it's Sarlacc. very, very sad. How, how about this one on for size? What if, what if the motivator on the R4 hadn't blown up? Oh, hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. There's a pretty basic one. What if, what if Luke had never gotten R2-D2? What if uh, you know, he had stayed with the Jawas? Luke never would have discovered the message. He never would have found his destiny. R2 would have been discovered Dude, by the same structure. Go even control. earlier than that. Go, go to, they, they bring the Corellian Corvette in, the escape pod launches, and they blow it up. <laughs> There's no life science inside, sir. Uh, it's probably just jettison. Don't bother shooting it. It's okay. Go ahead and blow it up anyway, just not in like, case. Not like, you know, we don't, we don't want to waste the blaster bolts. Just, uh, yeah, don't, don't blow it up. Right. <laughs> so. Any final thoughts you guys have you'd like to add to this uh, runaway discussion in a galaxy the hell and gone away from ours? Yeah, run amok. That's for certain. <laughs> uh, as always, have fun with it. Who cares if you're not having fun? Amen, yeah. sister. Amen. Does this bring it into our show? It does. We'd like to uh, thank our sponsors, GoDaddy.com, ThinkGeek.com. You guys visit them off our homepage if you don't mind. Throw us a, be appreciated. Download some good stuff from the Gamer Nation. Throw us a buck if you are so inclined. Call the losing line. We need your bumpers, guys. Area code 206 Call in and tell us you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Or how else? Can they email us, sir? You can email us questions for the D20 Docking Bay, ideas for Watto's Bargain Basement, uh, suspending the rules, or any other show topics you have at, of course, GM Chris at d20radio.com and GM Dave at d20radio.com. Indeed. Twitter. Twitter.com Twitter. slash GM Dave. Twitter.com slash GM Chris. Indeed. 
And you can also, of course, go to our forums at d20radio.com slash forum, where you can sign up, become a member of the Gamer Nation, and live the dream. Yeah, baby. With the rest of us. Oh, yeah. Festivus for the rest of us. I want to thank you guys for tuning in uh, for this uh, discombobulated and fun show. I had a hoot talking about this. Um, I think it was a, a a good thing to talk about, and I encourage you all to expand your games. I want to thank TG and, of course, uh, Kat for joining us. You're welcome. So, uh, fantastic. And uh, as always, my good friend GM Dave, thank you very much for of course. providing us your technical wizardry. This is GM Chris asking you to tune in next week, and I am wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. Yep. Keep the dice rolling. And may the force be with them. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. 